Alright, legends. Welcome back, dude, to yet another episode of Get Around Me. What a time it is to be alive, truly. I'm pumped up for this podcast. I'm ravenous for it, some would say. I've been sitting around here for about an hour waiting for the bloke out the front of my window to stop pressure washing the pavement. Okay, and I'm not above having fantastically clean pavements to walk on. Okay, I did grow up white and well off. I know the drill. Here's my thing though. This is the most Sydney Northern Beaches thing I've ever seen. This guy's pressure washing the pavements and I don't blame him. Okay, I assume he's here under duress, you know, most likely being paid for his services, as is the case in this capitalist economy. So I don't blame the young man out there, you know, absolutely just teaching these pavements a lesson. Okay, but we've got, <laughs> how, how Sydney rich is this? We're getting the freaking pavements at my apartment building pressure washed in the middle of the most horrific storms and floods this city has seen in about two centuries. Okay, in the last three days in this great city, we've had more rainfall than London has in an entire year. And this is when the strata committee of this great building thought, do you know what? Endless amounts of water and mud are flying around this great state. Sounds like the perfect time to spend some money on pressure washing right in the middle of this, you know? Pressure washing in a... St the whole South Coast is getting pressure washed right now. And they didn't pay anyone. You know, that's, that's, that's on the house from the big man upstairs. We're losing whole towns. They've just been pressure washed straight off the map, you know? Get out your iPhone. Kayama doesn't exist anymore, dude. And, and here in Sydney, <laughs> it's sideways rain as well. This poor guy's out there in like high-vis raincoats. I mean, the rain falling from the sky is hitting the concrete more aggressively than the water coming out of his pressure washer. That's where we're at, okay? I've never seen such a gross... <laughs> I've never seen such a gross example of just rich people being rich than this. I mean, there's just... It's going to be all mud this time tomorrow. It's literally raining cats and dogs, you know? I mean, it's great for this pressure washer. He'll probably get to come back in two weeks' time and do it all again. You know, that'd be like me playing Newcastle two weekends in a row. What a treat. But I tell you what, dude, it's wild in Sydney. We got freaking cars floating down the road again and shit. And I say again because this happened like three months ago. <laughs> this country is so crazy. I can't get past just the natural disasters. I mean... Imagine being a farmer in New South Wales, northern New South Wales. One year, all your crops burn down. The next year, they all wash away. I mean, it's, we're living in a time of extremes, you know. And I'm saying amidst all of this chaos, I'm living in an apartment building where the number one priority is making sure the pavement is absolutely sparkling, you know. I dare say the secretary of the Strata Committee is having a dinner party this Sunday and wanted to make sure everything was ship-shaped. So that is the bubble I'm living in, and, uh, and, and that's where we're at. But I tell you what, it's getting to the point with some of these natural disasters where it's almost like, fuck, if we do get three to four months of, of you know, no hurricanes or whatever, maybe we should start to be a little bit more grateful for when stuff is not absolutely fucked. You know, because <laughs> that used to be the norm. It used to be, hey, it's Wednesday. I'm living La Vida Loca in, in one of the, the greatest cities on the planet. You know, brackets, greatest nations on the planet. Everything's going gravy, babe. Now it's like, holy fuck, we've, we've strung together six weeks without something truly horrific happening. Okay, let's all go have some cheese and crackers while we still have the opportunity. You know? But the weather in Sydney is horrific, as is my attitude, and, uh, and that's just how it is. But I tell you what, it feels like New South Wales is really copping the brunt of some of this stuff. I mean, can a tornado just run through Adelaide just to even the scoreboard a little bit, you know? 
Can we have a fucking rock slide in Brisbane? Just something. It feels like Sydney is sort of taking the brunt of a lot of God's wrath at the moment. And I'd just like to see someone like Hobart step in and sort of help carry the load, you know? Townsville, at least they're good for a hurricane once a year. Perth, not too sure what goes over there. I think I think it hits 36 degrees over there and they consider that a natural disaster. God bless them. But yeah, it's it's wild times in uh in this in the nation's would-be capital. But anyway, I don't know what that was about, but let's crack into the podcast. Bit of an announcement straight out of the gate. I'm going away. I'm hitting I'm hitting the road, but not for work purposes. I'm going on a big old holiday road trip with Macca and a couple of mates. We're going to America. They're going for longer than me. I'm just going for the month. And that is because at the corporation of Billy Darcy, that was the amount of leave I was allowed to to sort of use up. You know, I put in my leave request about three months ago, but I tell you what, Billy Darcy, mate, that bloke's not fucking around, okay? So I'm going to America for four weeks, massive road trip on with uh, with Macca and the lads. We're hiring a car in Nashville. On the proviso, I don't fall in love with some country singing blonde chick in Nashville and sort of, you know, set my roots down there and start a life with this young woman. Uh, you know, on that proviso, we'll be driving through the South, you know, Memphis, Alabama, down to New Orleans, over to Texas, um, and, you know, just sort of keeping our heads down and trying not to get our heads blown off, as it were, uh, you know, with things the way they are in that great nation. But, uh, but yeah, should be a lot of fun, dude. Should be a lot of fun. I will say, in hindsight, touring just the southern states, possibly a booking error. I mean, all I want to do is really, if I'm being completely honest, is blaze my face off and potentially have some casual sex along the way. And we're going to only the states where weed is illegal and um, abortion's the death penalty. So California in May, I floated it to the lads and it was struck down. So um, I've, got a, I've got a suitcase full of condoms and a great attitude and I'm looking forward to it. But nevertheless, what does that mean for this podcast while I am away? It's a great question, guys. And uh, I appreciate you guys for being so attentive in what has been a pretty patchy first 10 minutes of this one. But, oh yeah, so I've recorded four guest episodes of the podcast where it'll be like, you know, I know this is a solo podcast traditionally. Last year I had a couple of guest episodes and I was going to start having guests on the podcast and then we went straight back into another lockdown, as you do. So that was the end of that. But so I've got four guest episodes coming out in the next four weeks. I hope you love them. Uh, if you do like them, let me know and I might look at having some more guests on the podcast going forward. But next week, we've got TikTok superstar Will Gibb smashing it out of the gate. Super fun episode. And uh, then I'll, I'll let the rest of the guests announce themselves. But we've got some big names coming down the pipeline. And so, yeah, hope you enjoy it. If you do, let me know. If you're like, oh, what the fuck, I hate this, probably keep it to yourself or at the very least message me once I return from my holiday. But I'll be coming back, you know, enjoy the guest episodes, okay, because they are fantastic. But also, I tell you what, that first episode when I come back from America, fucking hell, dude, I'm going to be absolutely loaded to the gills with yarns. So that could be some sort of a four-hour Joe Rogan spectacular. But yeah, so that's what's going to be happening with the podcast over the next four Thursdays. Guest series extravaganza, mixing it up, you know, completely different to what we usually get on this thing. So I hope you enjoy it. Anyway, let's crack into a few yarns. Now, this is, <laughs> this is a good one out the gate. So I went to Melbourne on Friday. That's a whole thing we'll get into. On Wednesday, I went to my mum and dad's place, okay? Now, all you need to know is that on the way to my mum and dad's place, I stopped in at Liquorland to buy my mum 
a beautiful bottle of champagne because it was her birthday. And I've stopped into this liquor land. And as you guys will recall, if you listen to this podcast, the last time I stepped into a liquor land, I went three days in a row. It was a bit of a weekend. And I got mugged senseless by this old bloke three days in a row. This bloke has my number like you wouldn't believe, you know? It's like Volkanovsky Holloway in there. This guy's just absolutely teen off on me without any sort of return. And so I'm just driving to mum and dad's. I'm not thinking about, you know, past losses, this old guy living rent-free in my fucking head, you know? I'm pretty sure when this old piece of shit fills out his tax return, he puts my brain as his permanent address, okay? Because this old guy has my number. And I completely forgot about all of this. And then I just run into Liquorland and I'm walking up to the counter and I, I look up and I go, oh, fuck, dude, it's this guy. And I've got a big old, uh, you know, bottle of uh, Verve or Chandon or whatever it was. It's all gold and lacy. And this guy, you know, he works at Liquorland. But as far as the government's concerned, he could have retired about 10 years ago. This guy is conservatively 78 years old and he's mean and I don't want to speak out of school, but if I was a betting man, I would put almost everything I have on the fact that he is most likely homophobic. And here comes Billy Darcy, ready for another mugging with possibly one of the most outrageous bottles of champagne a straight man could ever hold. So I'm thinking, fuck, here we go again. It's round four with this piece of shit. And all I've got is the champagne. He goes, how you going, mate? And I go, good, thanks, mate. Just this. And I've got my card out ready to go. And last time this piece of shit ID'd me like I was 11 years old trying to buy cocaine over the counter at Woolies. I mean, I had my debit card, my ID, you know, my Medicare card. I had to phone a friend to verify it was me. I had a government official come down. I provided a PDF of my passport. And this bloke still wouldn't fucking serve me, basically. It was, the amount of admin it took for me to get a six-pack on one of these days had to be seen to be believed. But this time, now I've got the beard, I actually don't look like I'm 12 anymore. And I'm buying champagne, you know, it's all adult stuff now. So there's no ID required. I say, just this, thanks, mate. And he's looking at me down the barrel, this guy. I think this guy's MO is he just has to say something to everyone he serves, you know, just to justify his pathetic existence. So, so I'm looking at him, he's looking at me, and this guy just loves to comment on stuff. Last time he noted my shirt was particularly lame. He said, what the bloody hell's written on your shirt, mate? And uh, he absolutely took me to Pound Town. So this time, I've got a navy blue jacket on, completely plain. I'm thinking, fuck, good luck with this, hey? What are you, you going to say? The color navy is lame? It's a primary color, you piece of shit, okay? So what are we going to do here? And then he's looking at the jacket, and I go, oh, no. No. I realize I'm wearing my Westfield jacket which I love, but now this guy has something to grab onto. And he's straight into me, this old guy. If anything, I, I actually am in, admire how consistently this bloke has mugged me off. I've been served by this man now four times at Liquorland for a, a total of four muggings, okay? You know, it's, it's come one, come all. This bloke's serving up, you know, we got 20% off, off a case of VB in the call room. Uh, but the mugging will be full price. Just put your chin out and let this old bloke go to town. So, so I go, fuck, I'm wearing my Westfield jacket. And this bloke's straight into it. He goes, oh, no. He goes, you don't work at Westfield, do you? You know, and I mean, there's people behind me in the line. And I got to say, guys, you know, this podcast, one thing I do pride myself on is that it, it's honest. You know, I'd love to tell you that I fucking told this bloke where to go. Hey, mate, who cares where I work? I'll tell you where you work, Liquorland, brother. Ring up the champagne. Serve me, okay? I'd love to freaking sit here and tell you that. Something about this guy, I just panicked again, you know? I've got PTSD from the previous losses. I'm freaking out, you know? I miss the old guy that worked at Liquorland. He was friendly, you know? No, none of this bullshit. 
So he goes, oh, you don't work at Westfield, do you? And I go, oh, no, nah, I worked there like four years ago. Haven't worked there in ages, I swear. <laughs> like <laughs> immediately just cowering to this pensioner. So embarrassing. And then he goes, oh, I hate those blokes down there. God, they're annoying. You know, never let you out of the car park. I go, mate, I hated it down there. I hate everyone that works there. I like what you like and I hate what you hate. Let me pay double for this champagne. You keep the rest. You know, I'm just groveling at this man's feet. I don't know what it is about this bloke. He just brings out like the seven-year-old in me. So I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate it too, mate. I swear to God, mate, haven't worked there in years. And he goes, all right, good, mate, good, mate. Just checking, mate. Just checking, mate. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. All good, mate. All good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the champers. Thanks, mate. Mum's birthday. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm just thinking, I'm saying this, and I'm just thinking, you loser, Darcy, what are you doing? You know? And I'm thinking, this bloke is definitely the sort of old bloke who would walk into Woolies, fucking have a Vietnam flashback and forget his ticket, and then would just go straight into abusing the person on the uh, pay machine. Even though 99% of the time, we just let people out for free anyway, you know? Oh, God. I, w- I was thinking if, if I ever don the Westfield Reds again, I mean, God forbid, but I would just love to take this bloke to the cleaners. You know, I was having sick fantasies about charging this man $60 for a lost ticket, you know, which I don't think I've ever actually done before. But, but God, I tell you what, the moral of the story is sometimes in life, You just come across someone who has your number and that's that, okay? I will never get the better of this old guy. I'm never even going back to this Liquorland. I fucking forgot he worked there, you know? If I honestly knew, if I remembered that this bloke was working there and firing on all cylinders, because he was bouncing up the blokes before me in the line, I honestly, it's cowardly to say I would have gone to another bottle shop, you know? So I got absolutely handled by this old bloke once again, and it was quite embarrassing. Anyway, so another loss there, but I went to Melbourne on Friday to do my final encore show. A lot of fun. Thank you so much to everyone who came out. The tour is over. All done for the tour this year in 2022. Fourth grade Ratbag was the name of the show. Thank you so much, guys, everyone that came out. Most of the crowds at every show were listeners of Get Around Me, which is best case scenario for me because you guys actually sort of, you know, get the vibe a bit more than the average punter. And I appreciate it. Fair few people came to multiple shows, which, you know, I appreciate that as well. It is the same show apart from the crowd work. But, you know, this bloke Blair drove from Melbourne to Adelaide to see me in Adelaide and then saw me again in Melbourne There was multiple people at the Encore show in Melbourne who had already seen the show three weeks earlier. Blokes in Brisbane, I did did a 7pm and an 8.30. There was a few blokes who just bought tickets to both. Um, So really appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much to everyone that came out. This is my first tour that actually went really well. And it was just a fucking dream. I loved it. You know, this is what I want to do. I want to make a living as a touring stand-up comedian. And looks like we're headed in the right direction, finally. So thank you so much, guys. Really appreciate it. And if you love the show, you know, I'd love it if you could tell your friends or, you know, bring bring some other friends along next time. I love it when people come along and they say, I brought my three mates. They've never heard of you. Now they love you, you know, that sort of stuff. So really appreciate it. Massive thank you to everyone that came. So much fun. Uh, the Melbourne show was great. It was pr- pretty rowdy, actually. Uh, I had TikTok superstar Ruben Solo open up the show. He did a great job. And he didn't leave immediately after his spot to go and get blazed, which I appreciated. You know, I'm used to touring touring around with known narcotics enthusiast Rowan Arneal, who's usually at the back of the pub blazing himself senseless. And then we'll come in 20 minutes later and see the second half which I got no qualms with, but it was just a change of pace having Ruben open. I mean, these blokes in the front row were so fucked up in the Melbourne show. They were just talking like the whole time. And the funniest thing was at one point I had to confiscate their phone because like one of the lads was trying to take a photo of me and then just starts playing like Rihanna 
full blast or some shit, you know. Please don't stop the music, mate. Please stop playing it, you know what I mean? I'm actually in the middle of something up here. I'm 33 minutes into an hour. I don't have time to vibe out to a bit of Rihanna. So I had to confiscate a phone. I was borderline babysitting for parts of the show. Uh, but they, they, these blokes were absolute legends. They, the funniest thing was these blokes who spoke through a lot of the show. They, uh, and I, I'm laughing about it now because I had beers with them uh, afterwards. They're really good guys. And, uh, but the funniest thing was they saw the show fucking three weeks earlier. So I'm thinking, no wonder you're talking through it, boys. You've, you've seen it before, you know, but, but they were good blokes. But apart from that, the show was an absolute cranker, really fun. I uh, had a few beers with a few people afterwards. Great times, great classic hits. And, uh, you know, it was all happening. We headed off, uh, I was hanging out with famous comedian Luke Kidgel, name drop. And his mate Tyler, who produces the Luke and Lewis podcast, was playing a music gig, actually. And I was like, oh, what's going on? Do you mind if I tag along? You know, i got nothing going on. And so I headed off to this music gig. Uh, some bloke from the crowd gave me a couple of riddling after the show, so I was a bit fucking, you know, revved, as it were. And and also, I've got that tools down energy because the tour is over, okay? So I've had about eight pints, a couple of riddling. I'm ready to put my hand through a piece of drywall just to see how strong my fist is, you know what I mean? So we go to this gig, and it's like kind of an intimate artist bar in Brunswick, very cool. Tyler's ripping it up. I didn't even know he was a musician, but he fucking kills, dude. And uh, at one point, I'm just having the best time ever. I'm seated like near the front. I was vibing out having the best time ever. You know, I'm toe tapping, I'm head banging. There's not a single, I don't have a limb that isn't moving in some sort of direction uh, along to the music. You know, I got that Irish rhythm. Don't you ever forget it. You know, Tyler's cranking away. He's smashing the guitar, huge vocals and I've got the tools down energy. I'm loving it, dude. Anyway, I turn around. There's about 100 people in there, maybe 75 or something. I don't know. I turn around. I'm the only one vibing. Everyone is too cool for school being like a, a Melbourne legend. You know, that's how I, that's not how I enjoy music, standing completely still, you know, with an expressionless face. I mean, come on, guys. I should have fucking split open that Ritalin and sent a couple around the room. What are we doing here, you know? So... <laughs> I was the only one vibing. It was so embarrassing. <laughs> I turned around. I was like, oh my God, no. I was like, I have to go to the bathroom. Like, <laughs> But it was so fun. I mean, once you got past the the embarrassment of, of me, it was like I was Tyler's dad or something. You know, I was just way too into it. I was like, woo, another great one, dude. <laughs> Everyone else is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Oh, yeah, sick. And I was just like, fucking hands in the air i was trying to start a mosh pit at one point you know and at one point you know like i said it was quite an intimate artist bar and so at one point there were these two girls in like the front row the crowd sort of wrapped around tyler the musician you know there's fairy lights the bartender was you know transgender the whole thing was a bit of a vibe and anyway these two young women you know, these uh, 19-year-olds, and I don't want to speak out of school, they were attractive, okay, physically, and I didn't have the pleasure of meeting them, but I tell you what, these girls were hooking up, making out, you know, kissing each other with open mouths, which, you know, I'm all, I'm very much in favor of. I've actually seen a bit of that sort of thing on the internet before, and so they're hooking up, this is like the most intense hooking up I've ever seen. Two 19-year-old girls, one of them is laying on top of the other and just absolutely washing machining the fuck out of each other, dude. I'm not exaggerating. I want to say for like 45 minutes straight, okay? Because I don't know. It was to the point where Tyler, the musician, was like addressing it on stage because everyone is like listening to the music but watching these girls hook up. I've never seen anything like it. I can't believe they just didn't leave and just start going nuts in the back of an Uber. Like, I've never seen sexual aggression like this. You know, it was crazy. It was unsettling. It was beautiful. I mean, there was just a lot going on in the room. But the funniest thing was, these two blokes, who I ended up chatting to for whatever reason, they 
I think they were mates of Tyler's or something. I don't know what was going on. But anyway, they brought these girls along. I, I Like a bit of a subtle double date thing. They were like, nah, nah, we're just friends. But they've brought these two girls along. They didn't know each other, these two girls. So these blokes are thinking, fucking oath, I'm going to Brunswick to see some live music. Couple of 19-year-old sorts along for the ride. What could go wrong? <laughs> and then these girls meet each other. It's obviously some sort of a love story. I don't know if Netflix is going to buy the rights to this thing, but my God, these women could not keep their hands off each other. And then the blokes just sort of had to leave the table. You know, I think one of them attempted to, to sit there and stay the course, but it's quite uncomfortable when you've got some chick's foot in your face because she's sort of attempting to scissor this chick in the very same booth you're having a quiet beer in, you know? It's quite uncomfortable. So these blokes got mugged senseless. And these women, like, it was addressed on stage and they were like, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. We're so sorry. Everyone was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. You know, because they were only 19. So it's kind of like, you know. And then they just went straight back to it. I mean, they were ravenous for each other. I've never seen anything like this. I don't think I've ever liked a girl as much as these two liked each other. You know, it was crazy. (laughs) And uh, anyway, so we sort of got past that. It was kind of like a acoustic. Well, it wasn't acoustic. I think it was on the electric guitar, but... It was kind of like a rock and roll music concert with some like live lesbian performance art. I mean, it was just, it was going off, dude. So then uh, after that, we went off to this uh, this cool club in Fitzroy. And at this point, I'm absolutely out to lunch, having, having the time of my life. Great times, great classic hits. At one point, I was talking to what I consider to be one of the more attractive blonde women I've come across. You know, I'm just a sucker for these indie chicks. I think she had a vest on and glasses and, I don't know, one, one, one jean leg was longer than the other or some shit. But I don't know what it was, but I was, I was into it. And uh, chatting to this girl for about 15 minutes or whatever. And I was like, yeah, I'm on holiday, whatever. The tour is done. I was like, oh, I'm going to the bar. Did you want to come? Buy this chick a vodka soda for about $74. And then I turned around. I'm like, yeah, so anyway, Kate, like I was saying... Absolutely disappeared into thin air. <laughs> got, got absolutely just uh, got the old treatment from this girl, you know. And that's why traditionally it's not the best idea to just buy strange women drinks in clubs at 2am because they will rinse you. And possibly rightfully so. I mean, what does this chick owe me? Apart from the thirteen fifty, I just paid for that Vody Soddy, you know what I mean? So got the absolute treatment from her. Happy to be there. Uh, a strikeout city, as it were. And, you know, it was a very cool club we were in, but the DJ was, uh, I don't want to speak out of school, absolute trash. I think he played Hot and Cold by Katy Perry at one point, you know? I thought he was going to fucking segue into a MasterChef promo. I didn't know what was going on. But anyway, sickest night ever. Left at like 4 a.m., 3.30. Up at 6 for my flight. Legitimately delirious. Um, if anyone saw my Instagram story Saturday morning, I can only apologize. You know, where I'm up to at the moment, I'm about every six months I have a slip up on Instagram stories. I think I said, take everything you have and put it on Alexander Volkanovsky by knockout. But I was like still so drunk, I couldn't like pronounce Volkanovsky. I think I said Vevanovsky or something. You know, when like you wake up and you think, oh, I'm not hungover at all. And then at like 11 a.m., you're like, oh, I was still really drunk when I woke up. That's why there wasn't much of a headache. But anyway, I get to the airport and I'm, I'm fucking ravenously determined to make this flight because I'm not missing another flight. You know, it's a waste of my own time, my own money. Just grow up, Bill. OK, so I get to this, get to the airport. I'm, I'm, I'm well on time. It's all kosher. How's this? though? I get on the plane. 9.30 a.m. flight. No, maybe 8.30 a.m. flight. 8.30 a.m. flight from Melbourne to Sydney, okay? One and a half hour flight, first thing, you know, in the morning, beautiful sunny day, whatever. Go fuck yourself. This guy in front of me, as soon as we take off, full recline. Full recline on a one and a half hour flight in the morning. Dude, this is just, this is such an example of poor on poor crime. It's like, brother... Who the fuck do you think you are? We're both in economy, okay? You think I don't want to recline? I'm hammered on two hours sleep. I'd love to get as horizontal as physically possible right now. It's all I can think about, 
okay? Being vertical is currently the bane of my existence. Here's the thing though, dude. I'm not reclining because then this bloke's fucking looking at my beautiful salad as he's trying to enjoy a morning coffee in the seat behind me, okay? That's not just a stranger. That's a fellow passenger. I take that camaraderie seriously. It's us against those cunts in first class, all right? Don't get it twisted. And this bloke in front of me has given me a full recline out the gate. I freaking, God, I was just growing so furious because I was so hungover. I was in the worst mood ever, dude. And it's like, what are you doing? Are you fully, are you, did, he didn't sleep the whole flight. He was like watching telly and stuff. It's like, are you that fucking lazy that you can't just read a book sitting upright? It's an hour, you know? The first 15 minutes you're going up, the last 15 minutes you're going down. We're in the air really for an hour. And this guy's giving me a full recline out the gate. Oh my God, I was furious, dude. I reckon you no recline on daytime flights under four hours. I mean, really, how hard is it? How fucking hard is it just to sit upright? Okay? What is the deal? When we were getting off, I was just burning daggers into the back of this bloke's head. I just wanted to make eye contact with him and just let him know. You know when someone like cuts you off in traffic and you speed after them and just just to look at them, just to give them some eye contact and be like, this is how fucking angry I am at what you just did. You know, I just wanted him to know how I felt. And, you know, there was parts of this guy that were making me angrier, like, you know, when we got off, it was, you know, it was a Versace bag, this sort of stuff. Like, he was not my speed. And here's the thing, mate. Everyone on the plane wants to recline. The reason we don't is because it's it's not thoughtful. You're not thinking of the person behind you. You know, I'm 6'2 in economy, on fucking Jetstar economy. My knees are, you know, I don't need any earmuffs. My knees are either side of my fucking ears, okay? We're all doing the best we can without you thinking you're better than me, even though we both paid $74.83 for this flight, okay? Maybe you should have saved some money on that Versace bag. You could have afforded a, a freaking Economy X or failing that a Qantas flight. But until then, you're in the fucking cattle yard with the rest of us, mate. How about you fucking act like it, okay? But anyway, just poor on poor crime. It makes me sick, you know? So anyway, got a couple of fun fears to crack into here. Thank you. Uh, I know I've been slacking on the fun fears in the recent weeks. Just for whatever reason, I've just been getting carried away with other segments. And then by the time I get to the fun fears, I'm like, oh, fuck, I've already done 50 minutes, you know. Uh, so sorry about that. But anyway, here we, here we go. So this is a good one. Fun fear sent in uh, by a loyal Get Around Me listener. Fun fear of moving from casual work to full-time work. Okay. And this is a big one, okay? Because it is a big step in life. And it is also, there's a lot of differences. And I think once you understand the differences, it makes that jump a little bit easier, okay? First things first, when you work a full-time job, your boss is an actual real-life adult. You know, he's not just some 22-year-old who's like last man stands at the local subway, you know, he's not just some 22-year-old guy who just never left the casual gig. You know, when everyone else graduated uni or, or God forbid, followed a passion and this bloke's still, still doing five days a week making fucking chicken and bacon ranch subs uh, for the likes of you and me. This guy's a real adult, okay? So that's great. You can treat him as such. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a small to slim chance he might treat you as one as well. So... You know, you can, if you've got issues or you've, or you've got a problem or you disagree with him, you can actually freaking, you can just be like, mate, this is how it is. This is what I think. You know, this guy hopefully will have the slightest bit of emotional intelligence. You know, most of the time when you're working a casual job, your supervisor or manager is just some bloke who has no idea what he's doing in life and enjoys the, the mediocre amount of power his new role allows him, you know? Most of the time in a, casual, in a casual environment, the supervisor is not able to separate his mental health issues from how he performs the role, you know? This bloke's coming in on an off day because he agreed to an open relationship with his new missus, and we've all got to deal with it. It's like, mate, if you're a real professional, you'd leave that shit at home, you know? 
So now you've got a real adult as a boss. Hopefully, they're a bit more level-headed. They're a bit more calm and collected and not like, you know, giving you a rocket because you were one minute late and, uh, you know, you had a coffee outside of your designated coffee area. We're not children anymore, okay? We don't have to pretend like fucking, you know, cleaning a bench top is a matter of life and death when we haven't had a customer in four hours. You know, if there's a time to lean, there's a time to clean. Well, I'll tell you what, Jason, if there's a time to lean, there's also a time to go to uni and make something of yourself, you piece of shit, okay? So, so that's one good thing about it. The other thing is your boss is a real adult, but guess what? You're a real adult too, you know? So carry yourself like one. Just because, you know, when you get into your first office job or whatever, you think, oh, all these real adults know what they're doing. I'm an imposter, you know? I'm 23. I've got no clue. I miss my ex-girlfriend. What am I doing here? Okay? But just because someone's 37 and moody, most of the time you're actually smarter than them anyway. You know? And plus all these oldies in the office are going to be hitting you up for IT issues on your second day regardless. You know, because when you're a young person who's just transitioned into full-time work, you are also the unofficial IT department for that office. People will come up to you asking you how to fix a keyboard uh, just because you're under the age of 30. And you might think, oh, wow, I know nothing about keyboards. How could I possibly help? But then you, when you walk over to Gladys's desk, you can see immediately to the naked eye that she hasn't plugged it in. Okay? So don't get intimidated by the older people at work because as you get older, you realize most people are fucking idiots, you know? Including you. So don't be intimidated by any fellow idiots. That'd be one of the dumbest things you could do. So, so that's good. The other thing about casual or full-time work is your shifts are no longer up for debate, okay? You don't have to freaking suck up to some weird supervisor just so you can keep your regular shifts, you know? Because these guys, if you get in an argument with him or you disagree with him on one of his, on one of his stupid opinions, all of a sudden you've only got one shift next week, you know? These casual supervisors are very, very vengeful. And they will, they will let their thoughts on you be known through the roster, okay? People who manage, uh, who are managers in casual environments will never communicate you to, to you directly how they actually feel. You'll just rock up one week, they'll walk straight past you. And then the roster for next week, you will barely feature on it, okay? I pretended to be like a full-blown liberal supporter for about three years just to keep my Sunday shift at this one gig, you know? I was like, yeah, yeah, mate, I hate immigrants too. It's still double time on Sundays, isn't it? Yeah, cool, cool, cool. All right, keep me there. Yeah, 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 stop the boats. Whatever you're saying, mate, I agree. You've got to placate these absolutely, uh, these weirdos with the emotional intelligence of a seven-year-old just so you can pay your rent week to week. So you don't have to deal with that anymore, which is fantastic. Uh, the other thing is, as a full-time employee, you can actually, God forbid, switch off for half a second without some guy having a go at you, you know, you can, you can check Instagram. When I first started a full-time office job, I'd be on my phone for two seconds replying to a text and my boss would walk past, I'd dead set, peg my iPhone out the fucking window and start scrubbing the floors. I'd be like, sorry, master, won't happen again, master, you know? <laughs> and then I remembered, oh shit, dude, I'm fucking full-time. I'm here Monday to Friday, no matter what, you know? I could tell these people I don't actually uh, I don't actually care for some of the things they're talking about and the consequences won't affect my ability to pay rent. I mean, what a time to be alive. The other thing is sick leave. Now you actually have genuine sick leave. You don't have to just push through a cold, push through some fever because they can't get in anyone to cover you, you know, at the local dominoes. Now you can just take paid leave and actually rest and recuperate. I remember this one time I went into Westfield on like Anzac Day or something because it was like triple time and a half, you know, and that is really what the Anzacs fought for, God bless them. So it was like triple time and a half. I was on death's door. I could barely function, dude. And then, and I just thought, well, fuck, if, this is like an $800 swing if I don't do this shift. So I just had, I just had freaking 74 ibuprofen and just went in there and got through it at all costs, you know? I took so much Nurofen that day, I got like a full buzz on. I took so much Nurofen, I was like, oh, this is what codeine addiction is. This is why people are hitting up three different chemists a day for Nurofen Plus. 
You know, this is what took down my boy 360. You know, that's how many neurofins I took. I took like 14 and I was fucking, you know what I mean? I was high as a kite, dude. So you don't have to do that anymore. And then finally, the final thing about moving to full-time work is that it never, ever, ever ends. Guess what, brother? First full-time job at 23? Don't worry. You've just got 43 years to go. All righty then. (laughs) We'll see you next week and the week after that and the week after that. So... You know, I'd attempt to find something you mildly enjoy. Otherwise, strap in for four decades of existential dread and probably a freak out at 47 with you cheating on your wife you never loved in the first place. So good luck out there. Full-time work is a different beast, but I think you're better for it. And, uh, and that's that, you know. The other fun fear I've got is AirPods. I have a fun fear of when you've got your AirPods in and you run into someone while you're walking around town. You know, I love going for walks. I'm a huge advocate of walking, you know. Often I'll be out and about walking and you run into someone and you take an AirPod out, but my AirPod won't stop the music. And so now I'm trying to listen to this bloke ask me this question about the last time we saw each other. I've got, you know, Avril Lavigne's first album absolutely blasting into my ear. And it's just, there's a lot going on, you know. I feel like, and the problem is, well, Bill, take out both AirPods. Well, that's great. That's great. But do I also want to settle in for a 35-minute catch-up with this genuine acquaintance? Because that's the message you're sending if you take out that second AirPod. God forbid you put them back in the case. If you snap that case shut, you may as well fucking book a table for two at the nearest restaurant. You've settled in to that hangout. Okay, so you want to do the one AirPod in, one AirPod out. That's letting them know that, hey, I'm enjoying this conversation, but it is a temporary situation, okay? I'll be returning to what I was doing, uh, which is listening to Avril Lavigne walking around Manly going, how good's this, okay? And dude, the last, so the reason I brought up this fun for you, the other day, I ran into someone, I don't know how this happened, but I take my AirPod out, I go, hey Jack, how you going, you bloody legend, etc., etc., my AirPods like Siri activated. I called up the Manly Ferry hotline or whatever, and it starts reading me the timetable for the ferries that day. And I can't take out the second AirPod because then I've settled in. So then I just had a five minute conversation with this guy with the ferry timetable for the day playing over and over again. You know, it was unsettling. I wasn't at my best. You know, I wasn't present in the moment. I felt like a real piece of shit. You know, bring back the wired headphones where you could just let them dangle over your T-shirt. I've got both ears, but here just on my collar is the headphones letting you know that, hey, dude, don't forget, I've got places to be. So, yeah, the AirPod fun fear. If the AirPods don't stop the music, it's a fucking nightmare, dude, because I refuse to take out that second AirPod. You know what I mean? So anyway, they're the fun fears for this week. I'd like to ever so briefly crack into the project for this week as the camera runs out of record time. And uh, here we go. Okay, so this week on the project, tennis themed, I'd like to ever so briefly touch on Nick Kyrgios and Isla Tomlanovich. Now, I think both of them are actually playing in their quarterfinals tonight. I'm recording this on the Wednesday, so... I hope they don't lose overnight, but they're both in the quarterfinals of Wimbledon. Uh, Firstly, Nick Kyrgios. I had a whole thing on Nick Kyrgios, and then I don't know what happened. I think he assaulted his ex-girlfriend, it came out today, or he allegedly assaulted his ex-girlfriend. So I don't know what the hell's going on with that. You know, the news cycle moves too quickly. I did say wrote a few jokes about Nick Kyrgios this morning. And the message throughout was what a fucking legend this bloke is. (laughs) And then like an hour later, it comes out, he's up on an assault charge, you know? So whether there's any merit to those allegations or not, I mean, fuck me. You've got to move quick in this ever-growing media landscape, you know? But I will say, so Nick Kyrgios, you know, it's no secret that I am a fan of this man. I will always default to being a fan of someone who is different than the norm. 
You know, I still think we're better off with Nick Kyrgios than we are with 15 other media-trained drones with no original thoughts. And I don't think that's very controversial to say, okay? But the problem with Nick Kyrgios that I have is not with him, it's with the media. So Nick Kyrgios wore some red shoes before his game, which apparently you're not supposed to do at Wimbledon. And, you know, he's just been sort of a, a general cunt to everyone on the court you know, carrying on the whole thing. And dude, I'm so sick of the media acting so fake outraged by this because they also absolutely love it. I tried to look up some stories on this Isla Tomlanovich, this Aussie girl who's into the quarterfinals. I couldn't find anything on this chick. It was drowned in Nick Kyrgios stories. So the media loves it. They love the clicks. They love the stories. You know, they love the attention he brings to uh, what's left of their of their pathetic art form. And and yet they still carry on like they're so outraged. Like the whole Nick Kyrgios thing, it's like, did you hear what Nick Kyrgios did? Can you believe it? Can you believe it? It's like, yeah, dude, I can totally believe it. I'm not shocked at all. The fact that you work in sports journalism and it's like Nick Kyrgios abused an opponent and these like, 37-year-old journalists are like almost crying, being like, I can't believe he's done that. It's like, well, I don't know. I'm not the smartest guy on the planet, but he's been doing exactly this every tournament for six years straight. Long, Maybe longer than, you know? There was that famous incident where he got dragged out of a pub at 4 a.m. and he was playing Rafael Nadal the next day. You know, if you told me Roger Federer spat at a crowd member and abused an umpire, I'd be like, holy fucking shit, that's a story, dude. But it's like these these journalists with their fake outrage and their fake, oh no, oh no, what's he doing to the game of tennis? I don't know, getting people to watch it? <laughs> what are you doing? And if I see one more opinion piece... You know, the whole point of an opinion piece is a journalist sort of puts down their role as the fourth estate, you know, for two seconds, their, their role as, you know, keeping the government and, the, and those in the public eye honest. They, they don't have to necessarily report on the facts. An opinion piece is their time to give us their real feelings. If I see another opinion piece, oh, hot take here. Hot take here from some journalist with no original thoughts. We got another hot take coming down the pipeline from some Murdoch media journalist with nothing between their brains except their dad's inheritance. Oh, hot take. Nick Kyrgios is disrespectful. Oh my God. Thank God your editor greenlit this hot piece of journalism. My God. You know, wow. What an... What an out of nowhere, crazy thing to say. We are so much better for your wildly original opinion on this topic. My God, Nick Kyrgios is disrespectful. I personally have my had had my eyes opened by this fantastic journalism. Yeah, dude, he's so disrespectful. You know what I mean? You know this is how this guy is. Okay, I'm not saying that Nick Kyrgios's behaviour is fantastic. I'm not saying that he should be doing the stuff he does all the time. I'm just saying that when he does it, I don't pretend to burst into tears like the very foundations of the earth have been shaken. (laughs) You're dead set a child if that's how you're reacting to it. And the only reason journalists are still reacting this way is because it it gets clicks. You know, that's why they ask him all these controversial questions. No one even asked him about the freaking game. You know, they just give him these layup questions where he can say weird stuff to them and mug them off and they all love it. You know, journalists are like little simps for Kyrgios. They're like, oh, Kyrgios, don't do that. No, keep doing it. Keep doing it. No, don't do that. No, seriously. I love it. Keep doing it. You know, it's so pathetic, dude. They're so like parasitic in the way they interact with Nick Kyrgios. It's so fucking lame. But anyway, I'd like to briefly talk about this lady, Isla Tomlanovich. She's the first Australian woman since Yelena Dokic to make the quarterfinals at Wimbledon two years in a row. Fantastic. 
I don't know a lot about tennis, but I do know that like any Australian athlete worth their salt, uh, this lady has a Croatian last name. You know, that's a fantastic sign. Jelena Dokic, Serbian as well. I don't know what it is. The only thing Eastern Europeans love more than their home nation is representing Australia in sport. (laughs) I mean, do you honestly think we would have made the 2006 Soccer World Cup if half the Socceroos squad wasn't born and bred in Serbia? You know, get your citizenship at 18 and chuck on a gold jersey, lads. Let's fucking go. Okay. But this woman, she's absolutely killing it. She's 29, a late bloomer in the world of tennis, from what I can tell. And, you know, tennis is one of those sports where I'm pretty sure you have to be a gun at like literally 11 to make it. So the fact this chick is hitting her stride at 29, I really appreciate. Never give up, babe. And, you know, she's so cute. She said said she's only been booking her accommodation in England one night at a time because she didn't want to get ahead of herself. So after every time she's won, won a round, she has to call up the hotel and extend her booking, which I think is the cutest thing ever. And, you know, there's nothing more Australian than taking ownership of someone's achievements who weren't born in this country. So, you know, Russell Crowe was born in New Zealand, but we all swept that under the rug pretty quick, didn't we? So good luck to Isla Tomlanovich. I think she will have already played her quarterfinal when this comes out. I hope she won. So go Australia. And just an update on last week, Alexander Volkanovsky, Australian UFC champion, uh, just absolutely beat the fuck out of his opponent for five rounds straight in what was one of the more sickening striking clinics I think we've ever seen. So long live the Volk, long live Serbians changing allegiances to, to the country of Australia. And yeah, dude, that is the podcast for this week. Last solo podcast for four weeks, but like I said... I've got some fantastic guest episodes coming out that I'm really excited about, and I hope you enjoy them. Uh, And then when I return from this road trip, I will be literally loaded to the gills with yarns. So looking forward to the podcast when I return. Hope you enjoy it while I'm gone. We will not miss a Thursday, as we never do here at Get Around Me. So thank you so much, guys. Thanks again to everyone who came to see me on tour. You know, I'm taking my tour money and I'm dumping it all in this holiday uh, like any reckless young man should. And and yeah, so thanks so much for everything. Appreciating it. I'm living La Vida Loca. I miss my ex-girlfriend and it's all fucking happening, dude. So good. Thanks for listening. Way too long, way too long. Yeah, and I can see the ground now, I'm way too long.